This podcast covers mature, intense, morbid, and sometimes just scary stuff. Listener discretion is advised. It's scary to think what horror would look like without the great movies we're talking about today. Welcome to 30 Morbid Minutes. This is the podcast where we cover topics of a morbid, macabre, dark, and downright grisly nature. And sometimes we talk about movies just because we love movies, too. I'm Elise Willems. I'm Jessica Vasavi. And you can't talk about scary stuff without talking about movies. I know, because how do we know about it or learn about it? For me, movies. Well, and religion, the Catholic religion. Yes. but <laughs> Perhaps the scariest. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, I think that probably if you listen to this podcast, you might be a horror fan. I would say the, the <laughs> Venn diagram is almost a complete circle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe. Mm-hmm. Or your moms and grandmas, because we've also learned that you all really like this podcast, too. I know. I love it. I, I wish we could have some sort of we could put out a survey of everybody that listens to this podcast and be like, are you a mom? Are you a grandma? Yes. <laughs> just a cute, Great just grandma. Curious. I would love to know. So, you know, I I think I might have asked you this question and I don't remember. And I actually, I do have an idea of what it is, but I want to ask you again, just to kick things off. What is the scariest movie that you have ever seen that truly scared you to your core, Elise Willems, the the person that I think just does not get scared by anything? Oh, I mean, I get scared by stuff, but I don't really know if there's a movie at large or more just moments and visuals and things like that that resonate and stay with you. Okay. What about when you were a child? There was nothing, there wasn't a movie that scared you. I know that like The Exorcist, you loved it, but... Yeah, like I guess if I was watching an R-rated horror movie, I'd be more scared of it. Yeah. And like, there's stuff like, being a kid, um, we just watched Gremlins together. And I know when I was a kid, I would watch that and you would find the Gremlins kind of scary. Return to Oz. But it was also one of my favorite movies as a kid, even though it was scary. Yeah. I haven't seen that, you know. We got to watch it. Yeah. I think kids to some degree like being scared. Like it's fun. I think so. I mean, I think it's that same kind of fear or scared like when you go on a roller coaster or like jump off a building, bungee jumping, whatever that is. It's yeah, that. it's adrenaline. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, my first, I'm trying to think of like the first time I ever truly got scared. Well, you you get really, we, as we know and established, you don't like stuff with demons. Yeah, but the very first movie that like, when I watched the movie, it was like, oh, okay. But then it was afterwards where I was like, what the fuck was um, the original It, Stephen King's It. Mm-hmm. So while I was watching it as a child, two-part VHS, you know, I was like, oh, this clown is a real, real scary dude. But then it wasn't until afterwards where I, I was like really scared out of my mind. So I was scared to take a bath and a shower. Um, I would lie to my mom and tell her that I was taking a shower and then come downstairs. And she, I mean, I was young at the time. Mm-hmm. So she was like, I know you didn't shower. <laughs> She's like, I know you've been watching Tim Curry's It. Yes, exactly. I also wouldn't swim in the deep end of the pool because I was scared of the drain. Any any sort of oh, drain. I knew people... Or I knew other kids that were scared of the deep end of pools because of Jaws, because of sharks, which really didn't, I didn't get the rationale behind that. Yeah, not that, n- not that one, because th- when I think of Jaws, I think of the beach. The o- Yeah, um, the, the ocean, right? The ocean, exactly. Yeah, not a chlorine-based swimming pool. <laughs> no, no. But I, I would say that was my earliest memory of being scared and it actually taking a toll <laughs> on my uh, my daily life to the point where, yeah, was not going near any sort of drains and I would get in trouble by my mom for not bathing. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> could you could so, you have explained that to her? I'm just scared. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't remember if I did. I'm sure that I did eventually. And then she gets mad at my dad for being like, we can't show the kids yeah. the scary movies because both of my parents are real big horror fans, mm-hmm. which is I, I, why I grew up watching a lot of scary movies where maybe the other average child didn't, except for you, of course. Uh, but yeah, so. Well, tell me if you feel this way because I also tend to group things into different buckets of scary. Like there's stuff mm-hmm. that's just scary. Maybe, mm-hmm. And maybe that's more to do with paranormal. But then there are things that I find disturbing. There are things that I find haunting or disgusting. Yes. So one movie might scar me to my core, but it's not because I felt scared, but more than I just felt like it completely defied everything that I believe to be good and true, (laughs) if that makes any sense. Absolutely. And we have like a freaking banger list of movies that I feel like hit a lot of these for us. Um, Yes. And the movies we've collected here, they are movies that have change the horror genre, but in different ways. So it might be that they introduced a different technique of filmmaking. It might be that they changed how the box office works fundamentally, or it could even be that they established a trope that then became something very, very common and replicated across the genre. Yeah. Do we we want to kick this off? Yeah, absolutely. And I will say that this episode is probably one of multiple because we definitely scratch the surface here in terms of movies that have had a big impact on horror. On horror and then also myself. (laughs) (laughs) There's one in particular that really, that specifically changed. Like I made an act of change in my life after seeing this movie and we'll get to that later. (laughs) You probably already know it, but. No, yeah. yeah. And I think, I think that just going through this list and what we've put in here, there are clearly movies that resonated with us. Because there are movies from especially the early age of cinema, like Frankenstein and Mm -hmm. Dracula, which we do not have in here, which were very formative and impactful films. Mm -hmm. But I just don't think that they had that kind of weight with us. And maybe also that's something to cover in another episode, perhaps. Sure, sure. This is 30 morbid minutes. (laughs) Yeah, we wanted to get to the the meat here of what what, uh, makes us tick. Yeah. And uh, kicking it off with... The movie that I think so many people point to being a genre definer, and that is Psycho, 1960, Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. Oh, man. I Psycho yep. is interesting because to me, there's just a lot of it that's more suspense than it is horror. Mm-hmm. So I think that you might appreciate it. If you, Have you seen much other Hitchcock? Uh, the one with the birds. Okay. it's. I mean, I would say the birds is much more traumatizing than Psycho. Yeah. The, the, what I... What I do know about this one, obviously, is the is the shower scene. But when you're talking about how it's more suspenseful and kind of disturbing, traumatizing more than like horror in the way of like, yeah, paranormal or anything from that one shower scene that I do know of, that's just like everyone probably knows of is like somebody coming into your house with a knife while you're in a safe place, which mm-hmm. is a shower, you're bathing. You're- it's interesting that you think it's a safe place because I feel like it's a very vulnerable place. Well, you're in your house. The do- For me, I close the door when I shower. And in there, I don't feel, yes, I'm vulnerable in the way that like, I do have this thought a lot of like, oh my God, if the asteroid fucking hit or like something, some big cyber attack, secure, something big and crazy happened. I was like, damn it, I'd be naked, you know? But at the <laughs> same time, I also go in there thinking I'm going to be okay in this moment. Like I feel comfortable enough to take off my clothes. Yeah, yeah. It's a relaxing. In this bathroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For me, maybe this is our brains at work here, but I feel like when you're in the shower, if something happens or if somebody comes in and attacks you, like you're naked, it's slippery. 
you know, <laughs> my phone is maybe not even in there. Who am I kidding? My phone is always in the bathroom with me. It is. I, I mean, I send voice memos. I've sent you a few voice memos from the shower in uh-huh. all honesty. But <laughs> yeah, no, I can't. I, I That is, it is absolutely terrifying um, to see like a figure walk in with a, you know, and, and is coming to get you while you're in the shower because you're not really thinking about that. And it's like your space has been invaded and mm-hmm. then uh, you die. So Psycho came out in 1960 and it starred Janet Lee, who is Jamie Lee Curtis's mom. Love and it. Uh, yeah, it's a spoiler, but the movie's 60 years old. They kill her off fairly early in, which was a big deal and shock to audiences, mm-hmm. of course. And it's just an interesting production to read about, too, because Hitchcock, he basically pulled his team from his TV show to make the movie. And so people, I think, were a little bit skeptical of it. But then the movie came out and it did gangbusters and people were obsessed with it and so into it. And one of the most fun kind of facts of this movie is that toilet is the first time that a toilet is shown flushing on screen because prior to the production code prohibited this being a thing. Really? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Yeah. And it, it just um didn't really wrap everything up in a neat little package, which was kind of different than other mainstream horror movies. So okay. usually like the monster or the perpetrator is killed or apprehended. But at the end of Psycho, Norman Bates, like he's very much alive. He's very sinister seeming. And, uh, you know, his mother, quote unquote, is still speaking to him. So it just leaves you with this really uneasy sense of dread, which I think was counter to a lot of these movies that tried to leave the audience with a happier ending. Damn. Okay. Wow. Okay. So he does not die in the end and his mom is still speaking to him. So did he learn, were there any sort of consequences for him? I mean, I don't know that there will be for Norman. Okay. Okay. Good to know. (laughs) But I mean, he he is apprehended. You just got to watch Psycho, I think. I do. I do. Especially now that you know all the plot beats and can't possibly be scared. (laughs) No. And I don't, this is one of those like, you know, I consider this and let me know if I'm wrong in this because I haven't seen it, but it's a, a slasher, obviously. Yes. Yes. But I would think that it is more... Just suspense, really. Okay, okay. It's a slow yeah. burn in a lot of places. Okay, yeah. Slashers, I, I actually really enjoy those movies um, a lot. So, and, and they don't necessarily scare me just because I know it's a human under there and a fucked up person. But yeah, um, I need to give that a one, a watch for sure. And then you can watch Psycho 2. Is that good? Um, I think there's a cult fan base for Psycho 2 out there. I've never seen it. I actually should watch it. Okay. That's kind of like how I am with Grease. I don't think I have fully seen Grease 1, but I've seen Grease 2 about a million times oh. and owned the VHS and love it. Millennial women love Grease 2. I don't What the fuck's wrong with... Why? Why, why did Pfeiffer. I have that? <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer is fantastic. And if I... You know, I'm straight, but to cut that. Anyway. No, keep it in, Kelly. <laughs> she's so... She's like... Michelle Pfeiffer is Catwoman. Oh my God. Jesus. Come no, on. she's fantastic. Yes. You know the theory, the fan theory about how in Greece uh, they die? The first one? Yeah, the whole movie is like, yes. they actually die and their, their car is them sailing off to heaven. Yeah, I've heard that, but never understood it because I haven't really seen the movie. I don't love Greece. I don't. I, and I think that's one of the biggest reasons why I don't seek it out because the parts that I have seen at friends' houses or just via pop culture and the internet, I'm like, I do not give a shit about this in any way, shape or form. And I like musicals, but there are some that I don't. And this is not, the fifties is also not a time period that I identify with anyway. Mm-hmm. And and <laughs> you find the sexual entendres off-putting, correct? 
I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, anyway, on to more sexual entendres, The Wicker Man, uh, <laughs> which came out in 1976, the original one, not the Nicolas Cage one, which I saw at the drive-thru. Great. I've seen the Nicolas Cage one, have not seen the 1976 version. Okay. So it's the same, basically, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it just kind of threw audiences because like Psycho, they really weren't used to seeing movies end badly. You know, there was always <laughs> yeah. some kind of like 11th hour rescue, right? Yeah. But this yeah. one's different. Okay. Would you say that this one was one of the first that, well, no, Norman Bates lived and his mom was still talking to him in Psycho. <laughs> well, in so, this one, it's well. the protagonist like dies, dies, and it's just kind of a midsummer sort of tragic end, right? Oh, God. And you're watching the yeah. movie and then there's all this buildup where you kind of don't realize that um, Sergeant Howie, he's the sacrifice. The intended yeah. sacrifice, you know, and he's burned yep. in the Wicker Man. God, that was, that, I mean, again, I've only seen the Nicolas Cage one, but that was a traumatizing scene. Yeah, I really, really hate stuff where people are screaming for their lives and being dragged off to a horrible fate. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not the best thing to see. <laughs> no, I've never been one for like the torture porn and horror. Like there's stuff where, you know, Saw the Traps can get, into, get inventive, but I've <sighs> never been into Hostel or movies like that. Oh boy. Yeah. Hostile. That, that was really, I don't like those either because it's just, it's just too much. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, I think, I forget which hostel. I think it was the first one where they, uh, slit his, um, ankles, the backs of his ankles. Oh, it's like Achilles. Yeah. That, that was a core memory for me. I'll just never go back. And I've even met the actor. Um, I should have asked him about that movie, but I was trying to be professional on set. But anyway, yeah, I don't like torture, um, porn either. Not, not great. Next one, Blair Witch. Oh boy. This is a big one. This is a, an ex, a huge one. I remember exactly where I first saw this movie. And it this is one of those movies where it had a, a an impact on my on my life. I have a story about seeing the Blair Witch too, but you go ahead. Yes. No, I think the biggest thing with this one is because yes, it's it's all done in found footage and all of that, where I really, really put myself in their shoes. And I watched the entire movie with a pounding heart the entire time. And the fact that you never see the witch, you the, the most disturbing scene of the entire movie for me was at the very end when uh, one of the last survivors, well, wasn't, uh, he's just standing in the yep. corner. That's the worst. Stare- <laughs> it, it was, it like cut me to my core, Elise. I just will never forget that moment. I, I was like, this, it, what the fuck is this movie? Yeah, yeah. I, well, I saw The Blair Witch because I was a pretty early horror fan. And I think it came out, I was 14 years old and totally dating myself here because I learned about The Blair Witch because I read about it in the newspaper. Oh. Um, you know, I'm Canadian and I was living in Toronto at the time, grew up there. And the Toronto Star had in the, I read the entertainment section all the time. And they had a piece on The Blair Witch and how there was this horror movie coming out and it was an independent movie, but it was like one of the scariest movies ever made. And this is back when also you would look up movie times in the newspaper. And yes, so I went to see it opening weekend with a friend and like, you know, got the showtime in the newspaper. And this movie was a big phenomenon, but we saw it like really on the precipice of it becoming huge because it had just opened. And so our theater had maybe like 10 people in it. Okay. So it was a really cool, I don't know that I've had that experience with another horror movie being really on the cusp of it in that way. 
So it was yeah. really, really cool. And it also made it pretty scary to watch in a virtually empty theater. Oh, God. Um, but yeah. Do, that do you remember is... who you saw it with? Uh, my friend Laura. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because she also would, was into horror movies. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. And she and I could be like, hey, there's this movie. No one's heard about it. You want to go see it? And she'd be like, sure. Yeah. Before I went to go see this movie, I didn't see it on the big screen. I saw it uh, at home. But my mom and my dad, again, being the horror fans that they are, went to go see it. And my mom threw up and she had to like leave halfway through. Not because no. she was... She just... The, the moving camera. So oh, yeah, much, yeah, yeah. You know... The giant which, screen. Because it's found footage, which I don't think there were many movies at that time that adopted that framework. No. And that's why this one was just an, just incredible. Like, I should I should watch this again. Because you really are on the edge of your seat the entire time from, like, the the moment when they open up the, um, the tent and you see, like, the rocks stacked the way that they are. Mm-hmm. And just, like, the weird designs in the trees. It's just, like... What the? It, I don't know. They did such a great job. Yes. Um. But they made it feel really real. And like, uh, the the listed actors are missing on IMDb. That's crazy. Yes. They they did. I remember this. And it's like I was of the perfect age. And the internet. This was the best version of the internet, Jessica. I don't know how mm-hmm. well you remember it, but like mm-hmm. this time of the internet, circa nineteen ninety nine. This was like <laughs> the time. Mm-hmm. And it was it wasn't just all ads and weird stuff getting served to you on Google because they're paying for these this SEO. It was like people doing fun and weird stuff on the internet. And so with this movie, they created a fake website for the whole thing, which was like treating the Blair Witch as if as if it was a real creature. Yeah. Um, it had they made a fake documentary about the teens from the movie, and then yeah, they like on IMDb they fucked with it and they said, oh, the the actors are still missing to this day. The su- the subjects of it. this documentary. I love that. That's uh, did did uh, Cloverfield do the same thing? The first Cloverfield, I think it did. I think it did have all this weird viral marketing around it. Uh huh. And they did the same thing where it's just like these people died, and yes, um, I mean I don't remember this specifically, but it sounds familiar. Yeah, Cloverfield, that was 2008, which that that's another great movie. I loved Cloverfield personally. Well, the thing about this was when they did all this stuff on the internet, you couldn't really debunk it at the time. It wasn't like now where maybe this would have gotten people for an hour and then someone would have gotten to the bottom of it. Like, yeah. you just could not tell what was real and what wasn't. Yes. And that's scarier because it just leaves everything up to your imagination in a way. And mm-hmm. Even just with the movie itself, again, never seeing the freaking witch and everything is just like, it's almost scarier to leave it to your own imagination. uh, Yes. Because what you don't know is terrifying. What you can't see, but knowing that something's happening and something is there, utter terror. Yeah. And I think to do that really well is a skill when you don't have money for a cool monster design or something, but you're Mm -hmm. able to play with the filmmaking techniques to actually inspire that kind of fear. Yep. And of course, like we talked about the found footage genre, but this Blair Witch, it wasn't the first one that did it, but it did it in such a way that everybody wanted to make a found footage movie after this. Yep. Um, Another movie that kind of like blew my mind the first time I saw it, it's an indie movie or it was an indie movie. Now it's Mm -hmm. a giant franchise and we cannot escape it is Saw. Saw did. Saw did. Saw did. Uh, the first Saw movie, I maybe I was just being so naive. I was such a sucker, but it blew my mind when Jigsaw stood up at the end and he was just in plain sight. I thought about him maybe at one point 
during the middle of the movie, I thought, huh, I wonder actually who who that is really dead in the middle of the floor there. But didn't that really was think about it, it again. You're right. That it, it, The first saw was one of the best um, I've ever seen. That was incredible. It really, really was. I think I stopped watching Saw after the third movie and haven't watched the rest um, just because it's kind of the same over and over again. But that twist. Yeah, they just have become Rube Goldberg machines of like torture and, mm-hmm. you know, sadistic murder. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Though I did see, I saw the most recent Saw movie, and if you're not going to watch it, this is a spoiler for our audience, but the, there's a lot of that movie that's just about Jigsaw, and you s- sort of feel for him a little bit. You kind of really? get what made him, yeah. Okay. Which, I guess when you're in the 10th installment in a franchise, where do you go from there? You have to kind exactly. of- Exactly. I was going to actually ask you, it. I'm like, why didn't they do that sooner? But, you know, it's just been torture porn since- uh, I think it's it's a little less uh, nuanced <laughs> now. Okay. It's more like people just want to know what are the crazy traps they're going to make in these movies. I have to say it is very creative. Yeah. And like the plot and the characters have gotten really convoluted, but you have to give props to a franchise that is this many episodes deep now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. people are still going out to see them. Hey, touche. But no, that first saw was was really spectacular. Um, what was the name of the actor? I always remember him from uh, Princess Bride. Oh, Carrie Ellis. That's his name? Yeah, Carrie Ellis. Oh, okay. Thought it was something else. But uh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, loved loved watching it. I mean, it was also a concept for me that I hadn't seen yet. Um, just like, oh, wow, you have to saw off your arm or your leg in order to like, how do you even... I don't know. It was fantastic. Yeah, it was kind of Hellraiser adjacent in a sense at first. And I think I think even the new Hellraiser that just came out probably took notes from the Saw franchise, uh, which is really interesting to see. Mm -hmm. Am I the only one that finds the idea of new year, new me to be incredibly stressful? Like overnight, I'm supposed to do all these amazing things for myself, which I am definitely trying to do, but I'm also just the same me as well. I am trying to go to the gym, but I'm also going to sit on my couch and stare into a wall for a long period of time. (laughs) Um, But basically, yes, F the expectations. Me Undies wants you to feel empowered, whether you love the gym or you love lying on the ground. Both are great. Their Move Me collection is soft and moisture wicking, ready to support your movements, big and small. And if you want to lounge, you'll love their buttery soft undies, loungewear and PJs as well. I personally buy the majority of my underwear from me undies. I usually wear the feel free thongs. Um, I love them all because even though they're the same lightweight material that makes me feel super, super uh, comfortable all the time, I love that every single one of them is a unique and different design. Um, because I'm like, ooh, which pair am I going to pull out today? So love that. Um, but they literally have so many different prints, um, uh, joggers, hoodies, onesies, so many, so many, so many things. And uh, the coolest thing I love about them is they are sustainably sourced materials and work with partners that actually care for their workers, which you can't say that about all the different companies in the world. And also, if you're not happy with your first pair of undies, it's on me undies. So kick off the new year comfier than ever and get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at meundies.com slash 30mm. That's meundies.com slash 30mm for 20% off plus free shipping. Me undies, comfort from the outside in. 
Okay, the next movie we're talking about, Jessica, uh, this is a huge <laughs> one for me. <laughs> yeah, I learned just yesterday that this is like the fact that you just thought it was good, which, which it is good. But like when I, I don't go there when I first think of this movie, I think of I am terrified. Yeah, it it is a scary movie. And I was scared of it when I first saw it. But I was also just kind of impressed with everything it did. And I saw the, ex- yeah. it's The Exorcist, 1973. Mm-hmm. I saw yeah. I was pretty young. I was like 11 years old and I watched it on TV. So Jess knows I saw kind of an edited version. Mm-hmm. Do yeah. you remember when you saw it? I did. And so I don't know if this movie was ruined for me, but I saw some of the other exorcists before I saw the original. So I saw, I think it was the exorcism of Emily Rose. And then there was another version of the exorcist that I saw before the original. So going from kind of like, uh, you know, oh, yeah. we're in the 2000. Uh, you saw other movies kind of that did a similar premise. Yeah, or- exactly. And like, just to see what they did with these newer movies compared to when I did see the original Exorcist and I see all the makeup on her face, it just looks a little more um, like, yeah, I can see the makeup on her face. It's it's not the same as it was with these newer designed movies. And so the newer ones scared me a lot at first, whereas watching the new ex- or the older Exorcist, because I'd seen the others where they just like, in my opinion, upped the ante when it came to just weird, crazy demonic shit um it this original one didn't scare me as much it still scared me because it's anything dealing with freaking demons getting possessed and the freaking girl shoving a cross up her it's just (laughs) strange it's a strange time you know i mean and stuff like that where you know she's like masturbating with the cross Mm -hmm. it's it's like it really was a manifestation of this is what a demonic entity would do absolutely you know but the movies you're talking about Really, they owe The Exorcist with introducing the general public to the idea of exorcism and like what an exorcism is. Yep. And just I feel like for me, this is where I saw the demon stuff begin. It may be if there was other movies prior to The Exorcist, but for me, that's where my mind goes. Yeah. Yeah. And like we've talked about this on the podcast before, but The Exorcist really people didn't really know what an exorcism was before this. And yeah afterwards everybody could tell you like kind of the basic you know general things about an exorcism and you even know what to say the power of christ compels yeah. <laughs> you i mean you know now so yes. if you see someone possessed you know what you need to be doing yeah and you know i think the way that like it played with religion in it was pretty revolutionary like re- religion in a horror movie in that way mm-hmm. i could talk about the exorcist forever because as you know i what i and owned the 25th anniversary VHS that had documentary on it. Yeah. Uh, which <laughs> it's crazy to think now, though, The Exorcist came out, I think it came out either on Christmas Day or the day after. Yeah. And so this is 50, <laughs> this is 50 years of The Exorcist this year. Damn. And I just love that it either came out on Christmas or the day after. That's like pretty Well, I think on... they, they did that on purpose. Yes, I would assume. Because the movie, the movie was getting all these like, these protests from religious leaders and zealots and stuff, but it actually Mm -hmm. kind of worked against it because, you know, Billy Graham's ranting about the movie and it's just bringing more attention to it. Yeah. And what's interesting, and I love knowing these type of facts when it comes to these movies, is um, film made $428.2 million and it only had a $12 million budget. So it did really well, everybody. Yeah, that was huge. And it was like the highest grossing Warner movie 
at the time, which was a big deal. That is a very big deal. Yeah. And like it did so much. It paved so much in the way of practical special effects. Like I know you're saying that the makeup on Reagan is a bit obvious to see. And it and it kind of is compared to what they can do now with special mm-hmm. effects digitally. But at the time, the whole concept of, oh, she's she's got scratches all over her. And those are things that she did to herself was yeah. like pretty revolutionary. And all the things they did, like making her levitate and yeah. the head rotation, with which was like a fibroclast mold of her head. You know, those are all things that have since been used and they're still the way the things are done. Um, my favorite little piece of trivia about the effects used was, you know, the moment in the movie where they scratch out, like, help me on her stomach. <sighs> yes. So that was a fake latex stomach. Mm-hmm. And they scratched the words help me into the latex. And then they heated it up because it made it just kind of melt back into itself. Oh, which is such a dope. It's so clever. It is. It is. I don't know. I'm pretty sure this is true. You can tell me. But didn't Linda Blair, she wasn't able to see the movie until she was old enough? I don't think she was. I don't think she could actually go into the screening to see it. Yeah. So she didn't even get to see what the, the amazing work she did. Yeah. <laughs> on the film. Which I, wonder yeah. if she, I wonder if she would have been disturbed seeing it or she would have just right. already had that frame of reference of like, oh, no, I, I remember being on yeah. set that day. Yeah. My mom uh, told me this about my aunt uh, years, years ago. But my aunt, when she saw that movie, and I know I, I'm sure everybody had <laughs> their, their own way of dealing with uh, seeing The Exorcist and all of that, but she slept with a cross under her pillow for years in oh. the nightlight after watching The Exorcist. For years. That's great. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, it's great. And I remember, oh, even though, again, the original didn't scare me as much because the other, the newer ones did, I remember going to sleep one night in uh, high school and uh, I fell asleep with the TV on, woke up in the middle of the night. Guess what was playing on TBS? The Exorcist. <sighs> oh, what a time to wake up and to view what was on television. Yeah. It was not a great night for me. I put on <laughs> oh, Disney no. Channel. I put on the Disney Channel. I put You're on like, every I switched single to light. B movie immediately. Uh, absolutely. I was like, is this a sign? No. Get out of here. Which, if you so. did switch to B movie, would be quite ironic because one of the things that The Exorcist did really, really, which was really, really cool, was they had all this subliminal imagery and sound effects hidden throughout the movie. And one of those sound effects was bees buzzing. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. The same bees. I don't remember that, but... Used in bee movie. Not really. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But yeah, we should move on because we could talk about The Exorcist. We up, sure could. I feel like. So this one, Black Christmas, uh, I haven't seen, but I have seen The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, and these movies kind of both hold a distinction, depending on who you ask, of originating the concept of the final girl, mm-hmm. which has become this very replicated and entrenched horror trope. Th- to me, I, th- I always thought it was the uh, Halloween, um, the original Halloween, Jamie Lee. But um, now that I thought about it, again, I haven't seen Black Christmas, but after thinking about it, like in Texas Chainsaw, I was like, it is. Or, well, one of them, I guess. Like, I've only seen Texas Chainsaw, but um, it makes sense. Yeah, and I think Halloween is one of the iconic ones for sure. But then, you know, there's like Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream, Train to Busan, Hellraiser, even like ha- new movies like Happy Death Day. All, yeah. Use the trope. I mean, there's even um, a movie called, I think it's called Final Girls or is it called Final Girl? I've, re- I've read um, a book that I think that was called Final Girl or something like mm-hmm. that. And it was a fiction and mm-hmm. it was a group of like a support group for Final Girls. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's, it is such a trope, like literally and everything. And usually she's a virgin, right? Yeah, I think that's a big part of it is like she's she's the pure investigative consciousness 
mm-hmm. you know, she she is untainted and so she's she's so good she should survive. Mhm. Yeah. Oh boy, so many good ones that 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 this trope. Yeah. I like the way that Cabin in the Woods plays with it, which is like, oh, she she is left at the end, but then everybody dies. Absolutely. Yeah. That's another great film. I I remember being obsessed with that movie when it came out. Mm-hmm. Cabin in the Woods. Good yeah. one. Yeah, it flips a lot of hope. No, no, it does. It, it it does flip everything on its head. Um, I need to see Black Christmas though. Now's the time. I know, right? That's we're recording this in five days till Christmas. Scream is another one. I know this. The, this was like yeah, the the nineties. We saw again the final girl, Nev Campbell. This one, like this, is to me isn't scary, but God, it's just a good movie. They so just good. did this movie so well. The franchise is so good. Yes, and yes, the uh, the ending, the two killers did not expect it. Love it. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Scream is so self aware, too. <laughs> it is. It, it is. It made such a big splash because it brought back the slasher genre, but then it yep. also did this thing that is so Wes Craven of metatextual narratives and being so referential of the genre. Like it had true discourse and commentary on just the genre of horror. It really did. It, it it did. I mean, even the most like silly, basic things, the way that like some of them died too. Um, and they really played into the final girl with Nev Campbell. She was so innocent mm-hmm. and Billy, you know, just it's it yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Billy is like, he's so obviously skeezy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. One of my no, favorite things one. the movie does is when he first comes into her bedroom there's an instrumental version of Don't Fear the Reaper playing, which should be the biggest tell. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're, I mean, yes, we yes. Can, I could talk about Scream forever. And also just the fact that, you know, we there are characters in it like Randy, who everybody's obsessed with movies and everybody knows movies. So everybody's yeah. familiar with the horror genre. So they have to flip it on its head. Absolutely. Don't ever say, I'll be right back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go get a beer. Um, Anybody want anything? yeah. Oh, yeah, it's it's so true. It is very true. Not like do not say those things. And um, yeah, like they did such a good job because you're right in the beginning. You're like, ah, Billy's kind of weird. I don't know if I like this. But then, of course, you see him get stabbed. Yeah, you didn't you you don't think that there's another killer like, God damn it. And then also the ending when they're just like fucking stabbing each other. Oh, it's so it's so funny. And it's so good. It is. This is this franchise is my friend's comfort films. She has them on in the background constantly, oh, and I love that about her. <laughs> I've seen them just countless times. This um, is great. It's great. Yeah, and I just want to say honorable mention here because I really think that it it started the first inkling of this, or it was him experimenting with this like meta concept of horror, but Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Hmm. Haven't seen that. It's one of the later Freddy movies, but it's basically Heather Campbell playing herself as oh, the okay. actress from Nightmare on Elm Street. But okay. then Freddy is showing up in the real world. Damn. And so it's clearly Wes Craven being like, I'm bored with horror. What can I do to play around with it? And I think that if he didn't do New Nightmare, maybe Scream would not have come out of it. But okay. Well, thank God then. Who knows? Kevin mm. Williamson too isn't kept. I think Kevin Williamson wrote Scream, but then he also wrote like Dawson's Creek. What? <laughs> right? Okay. Didn't he? I now I need to look this up. Let me just because that's hilarious. Oh my god! I know him. the The reason I know him is because of Vampire Diaries. But um, yes, Dawson's Creek, and this is great. If it is, I mean, he was just kind of the king of the teen genre. He just knows what's up. 
Yeah, Scream. Scream's on there. Okay, cool. Go, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, The Conjuring. Okay. They tried it with the dark universe. Nobody's been able to make a cinematic horror universe except for The Conjuring. This is a no-no movie for me, but I know you love it. <laughs> I mean, I've seen it. I've seen The Conjuring. Um, I think I've seen one and two, but it's a... <laughs> yeah. it's. They, I mean, they're great. That's, I think, a really good, you know, review of them is Jessica's too scared to watch them. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they it really did terrify me. Um, that scene in the basement, mm-hmm. the first one. And just the, the, the little girls in the house, the clapping that comes from the darkness. Oh, yeah. Um, don't. It's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> they are very scary. But-, <laughs> but I think like the distinction that they have is they've built out this shared universe. And it's not just direct sequels, but they've built out this umbrella, right? So some films are connected very, very directly. Some are just by like a thread or a reference. And the linchpin of them all is the Warrens, essentially, mm, who were mm-hmm. these, this, you know, paranormal investigators, this couple in the 60s through the 80s that mm-hmm. operated in New England. and Real couple. Yeah. Real people. And now we're at a total of nine movies, which I think is pretty impressive to do. It is, especially for, I mean, I know Saul's getting up there too, but just, I see these two as very different. Saw is just very like, bust them out, you know, whatever. But this is like, I don't know, it's strategic and well done and intelligent in a lot of ways. Yeah, I I agree. This next one for me, I, I just, maybe it's because of the way that I felt when watching it, The Sixth Sense, which I think really put M. Night Shyamalan on the map for a lot of people is um, the fact that, you know, Bruce Willis was dead the entire time. That is a spoiler. Sorry, it's been a long time <laughs> since this movie's been out. He is dead. You know, Jessica, um, I've never actually seen it. Stop it. I've never like wait, w- sat down and watched this whole movie. Wait, but did you know the ending? Yeah, and I feel like now I know so many parts of it that I feel like I know the movie. Okay, oh and boy. of course the iconic "I see dead people" and the twist and everything. But I've never actually sat down and watched. I think I've seen all of his other movies. Wow, but I've okay. not seen The Sixth Sense. Wow, yeah, yeah. His other movies are are, are good too. I love The Village and. But uh, science, science is, you know, great. Uh, But this one, I think it's just because, yeah, we haven't seen anything. I think it really did shock people. But even if the ending wasn't good, I also think like it really is just a good movie in general because you're watching it the entire time thinking, this is great. This little kid can see dead people, all the little things that are happening. Uh, Toni Collette is incredible in it. She's amazing. Um, So it's just a good movie in general. And then you, you add the ending in there and it's, it's fantastic. Um, it just, uh, because it makes complete sense. Like once the ending comes out, like you're no, but yeah, (laughs) yes. Okay. He really was dead the entire time. Bruce Willis, right? Um, Bruce Willis. Yes. Something happens in the beginning, but then you think he survives, which is very common. mm -hmm. And then, you know, here he is. And, when you look back at it, you're like, how did he get away with talking to a dead guy the entire time? How is he not acknowledged by everybody else? But you start to slowly look at it and you're like, they did, he did such a good job, M. Night Shyamalan. Like, just, is it one of those movies you have to watch it a second time to be, to appreciate, like Interstellar, you've got to watch a couple times? Yeah, Interstellar, because there's just like a lot of science and stuff and it's very heady. But this one, I think you just want to watch it again just to kind of see the little things that you were missing. Now that you know the ending, you kind of want to go back and be like, oh, okay, I see it now. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and it, it really great. established him. I think people thought he was going to be like the next Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. And he became the twist guy. 
The twist guy. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think also the sixth sense kind of started this notion of, oh, horror movies, suspense movies, they all have to have a twist. Yeah. There has to be some, it kind of became a problem for a while of if it doesn't have a twist, it's not high horror. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. But, you know, it can still be scary without a twist. Although the twist is a great, you know, mm -hmm. bada bing, bada boom. Bada bing, bada boom. God, we are, we're talking a lot. This is a lot to talk about. This one we have to talk about. This is the movie that I was talking about at the very beginning that really changed uh, the course of my life in the way of like, <laughs> uh, I have, it's, it's Paranormal Activity, the first one. Second one is awful in in a good way, as in they're they're very good movies to me, but they just scared the living shit out of me, and it really fucked with my head, like legitimately, really did. Because again, I, it's all found footage, li live footage, camera footage in the house. Yes, and using the security camera footage is so genius, right? Yeah, I gotta. I haven't watched yeah. these since they came out. I gotta rewatch them. Really? So you've only have you only seen them once? Yeah. My, okay. But they were great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And because I was into horror, again, like even, even before Paranormal Activity, even though I was still like, no, 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 with the demon stuff. Again, Paranormal Activity is the, the real movie that took me away from like anything demon related. Stopped playing with the Ouija board. As you guys know, if you've listened to our past <laughs> episodes, I played with the Ouija board as, as a kid in high school. But this one, and I was so excited to see it because their marketing campaign for Paranormal Activity was fantastic. I don't know if you guys remember, I vividly remember the commercials of just people like in the movie theaters. Um, you never saw what was on screen. Uh, you just saw people screaming and being absolutely terrified. Some people passing out, some people having to leave the theater. And you're like, what the hell is this movie? And then word of mouth kicked in and it just became uh, a huge deal. But again, like Blair Witch, it made everything more real. Now that we have, like you said, the security camera footage um, and you just see this stuff happening as if it could really just happen to you in your own yes. damn house. I think, think and that you was never see part. it. Yeah, it could happen in your home. Yeah. And leaving everything up to the imagination, but you know it's bad. And it, and it you had know a it's evil. Crazy indie movie origin story, right? Yeah, as in like it, it had barely had a budget. Yes. <laughs> no, yeah, it it did not have a yeah, it was it was shot for 15k. Uh the final total was 215,000 after like reshoots and editing and post work, but still in the in the realm of movies and everything for how much it made. Which I should probably look up how much it oh, made because two hundred fifteen thousand dollars is crumbs. Like you and I both know from having to work on things with budgets, and you're you're begging for oh. any money because production is not cheap. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that uh, is I'm crumbs. looking it up right now. Looks like box office was uh one hundred ninety four point two million. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So it really paid off, and I just God, it terrified me to my core. And then the second one, it involved a baby in the second oh, yeah. one which was ugh, really disturbing. Her getting dragged down the stairs into the basement, hearing the evil noise. The thing that stuck with me was at the end of the first one where you hear her downstairs. Uh, he's still sleeping. You hear her downstairs and you hear like a ruckus, a noise, and then you hear her scream. You hear the demon scream and then you hear their screams combined together as if it's two voices in one. And then you hear the bump slowly up the stairs yeah. and I just lost it. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. So it's such good technique that doesn't need yep. to rely on, you know, flashy scares. Yep. Okay, so the final movie we're talking about, this is this is a big one. Mm -hmm. Because I don't I guess I don't even think about it like in 
true horror. It, to me, it's a monster movie. Mm-hmm. But it gave an entire generation of people a fear of the beach. And yep. it changed horror, but it also just changed the film industry. Yeah. My mom and her, my family, my aunt, uh, they did not step foot in a beach that entire summer because of this damn movie. Because of Jaws. Because of Jaws. And as yep. you know, I know some children who wouldn't go in swimming pools. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, another fun fact, we didn't talk, it's, it costs like roughly $12 million, which, you know, that's a decent one at the time, I guess. But uh, it grossed $260 million in the United States alone. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> the funny thing is, too, like $12 million doesn't seem like a lot. But Spielberg, that was him going 300% over budget. <laughs> um, and prior to that, they only really made big budget movies that were kind of epics, like Cleopatra or Lawrence of Arabia. But then this, mm. after he had success with this, the studio started to revisit other types of movies and saying, oh, maybe this one would benefit with more money. Um, oh, Spielberg, like Jaws, I mean, I think we can agree that made his career, right? For sure. For sure. And it also made the summer blockbuster a thing because prior to Jaws, summer was this dumping ground where it just if there was a movie that the studios didn't like or they thought it wasn't going to do well, they went put it out in the summer, which is so wild to think about now because the summer is now this coveted release window, right? It is. I mean, hey, the summer's hot. Stay in and watch some movies. They also did a lot of like big marketing or they changed the way marketing was done for movies with Jaws, right? Just the, there was yeah. Universal spent money on TV, which was kind of mm-hmm. unheard of too. Yeah, spending like 700000 on 30-second trailers to roll in during primetime television, which was very unheard of. But the marketing worked and it gave way to TV being one of the most lucrative platforms to advertise cinema on. Yeah, which now if you think about it, it's like every movie has a TV spot. Oh, obviously. Yeah, you fight for it now. Another thing that Jaws changed uh, just in, with movies in general was before it, movies would roll out in a staggered release. Mm-hmm. So like a certain m- movie theater or collection of movie theaters would have a monopoly, which meant that the surrounding theaters couldn't show the movie. So they would have to wait to show the movie in their theaters. So it might take several months, for yeah. a movie, which also, I mean, this is a whole other conversation about now a movie comes out and it feels like three weeks later it's on streaming. <laughs> Yep. Oh, Which, yeah. To me, feel it feels good in a convenient way, but it also feels like it makes movies feel less special sometimes. That is true. Absolutely. Yeah. But Jaws really uh, defied these norms, opening the movie in hundreds of theaters at the at the same time. So challenging the clearance rules, but it absolutely clearly paid off. Uh huh. Spielberg. I I don't know if he was involved with the marketing at, at all. I have to imagine maybe, but they they pushed the barrier on a lot of these things and it and it worked. Yeah. Thank God, because or else we'd be still doing the same shit all the yeah. time. But what's so interesting, I mean, we were, we were talking about earlier just like not seeing, the, you know, uh, the different monsters or the scary things. In Jaws, you don't see the shark until like an hour and 21 minutes into the movie. That's yeah. bonkers. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of the defining things about it. But then also I feel like when you see the shark, you... I could have never seen the shark, and I think I would have been enthralled with this movie. Absolutely, but I also don't mind seeing the shark either because when you did see it, it was terrifying. And they did, and and the, you know, the, I think that they did a really good job. I know it was a mechanical shark and everything, and it, like you know, yes, as I can go back now, which I haven't seen Jaws in a few years, and uh, be like, oh, it's clearly a mechanical shark. But I don't know. I think it kind of holds up still. Yeah, I think so too. You know, black like a doll's eyes. Because <laughs> the eyes of that shark were so black like a doll. 
Uh, and it's interesting when you hear the stories about it wasn't a creative decision initially. It was because the, sh- the shark wouldn't fucking work. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> but I love, I, I think sometimes the greatest art comes out of, damn it, this is not working. We need to find a solution. That's an great. alternative. Yeah. Yeah. You got to find creative solutions. Yeah. And the reason he didn't work was because the way they tested him in pre-production, right, Jess? Yeah, in pre-production, they tested uh, in the North Hollywood freshwater tank, but the feature was actually filmed in the Atlantic. So the actual salt water caused it to short out. <laughs> yeah, which is so funny to think about. Like nobody considered that oh, the water tank no. may not work. No, I wouldn't have thought of that either. But ultimately, you know, using the camera to be more voyeuristic, like things like people swimming and the cameras underwater and it's watching them and it, those that's the point of view of the shark like that ended yep. up being so much scarier than if we just saw terrifying. a shark like no yeah it's terrifying because you're it's like to you the the person the human swimming you're like oh my god that's those are my legs the shark sees my legs oh yeah the shark is coming towards me yeah this could be me underwater mm-hmm. just chilling mm-hmm. having a great time kicking away shark comes yep nope yeah. nope so yeah, well, I think we scratched the surface here today, Jessica. We got to talk about more horror movies. There's on this show. there's so many more. We'll definitely do another episode um, covering some incredible uh, horror films. So, and if you want to watch horror movies with us, we do it once a month. Um, if you become a Rooster Teeth First member by going to thirty mm dot show slash first, um, it's a way to support us, but then also join our Discord where we uh, hang out, and then we also just watch a scary movie. We watched gremlins uh well we haven't watched that much scary stuff recently because we were watching like cute holiday stuff right we watched casper we did the first one we watched was the descent which was pretty pretty terrifying yes um but we're we're now gonna now that we're out of the holidays and whatnot and we and we give you guys a chance to vote too Mm -hmm. so you know if you're first member keep an eye on the voting in the discord uh and all of that um and we have some great merch at the rooster to the store please check it out and um, we're on social media, you know, we're at 30 Morbid Minutes on TikTok and Instagram. So check us out. We're given tons of cool, cute, morbid facts there as well. Well, Jessica, thanks for going to the pictures with me. <laughs> it was a great time. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>